and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. Today, I'm talking to the lovely Pammy Carmichael Hogg. Pammy is someone I've known since I very first set foot into the industry. I met her at the very first competition that I entered because she was my judge and I was grooming a golden cockapoo at Master Groom about eight years ago. I remember finding out that she was my judge and having to look her up online because back then I didn't know anyone. I saw her work and I was like, wow. I wanted to ask Pammy about some of her experiences, what got her into Asian style and a bit about her journey. Pammy was the first person from the West to graduate from the Starwoods Art of Dog Grooming and the first from the West to complete the theory of angles in Korean grooming. Pammy created Asian Fusion and won many competitions all over the UK. She has also been a demonstrator and a competition judge all over the world. Pammy is also one of the founding board members of ICMG. So I hope you enjoy our chat as much as I did. Here we go. Hi Pammy, welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers. How are you today? Hi Carla, I'm really good, thank you very much and thanks so much for inviting me on to your podcast. Oh, it's lovely to have you. So to start with, can you sort of introduce yourself and just tell us a bit about you and what you're up to work-wise at the moment? I'm Pamika Michael Hogg. I'm a mother, grandmother to six, dog owner, groomer. I've got Pammy Limited, which is my salon and grooming school with my daughter, Danielle. Mm-hmm. And Asian Fusion Grooming Limited, which is online education, retail sales. And that's with Jo Hargrove. She's a business partner. Wow, okay. We've just launched the first ever Asian Fusion Grooming Level 3 training course for wow. Rico. And there's more on the way. And we're currently just getting our first cohort ready for their exams. So we're really, really excited about that. And they're doing ever so well. We've also just launched our newest play brand scissors to go alongside the Pammy brand scissors, which everybody knows. And we've got some surprises to come. So we're excited about that. We've got loads and, of new stuff oh, going on there. Something. I know, I know. We just, we can't get enough of it. We, we like new stuff. We like, we like to keep things moving. We like to keep things busy. Does that sort of excite you having loads of things on the cards or? Oh yeah. As soon as I thought up one thing, I'm already thinking of the next thing, you know. I just leave yeah. a trail of devastation behind me <laughs> for other people to mop up and make it happen. <laughs> yeah. I've got this idea, here you go. I've got this idea, here you go, sort of thing. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Really I wake good. up and say, hey, guess what? Guess what? Guess what we're doing today? 
<laughs> you never know what's going to happen tomorrow that way I suppose <laughs> no no it well it keeps us all busy and um keeps everybody interested I suppose it, well yeah. I think they're interested I hope they're interested either that or they're going oh god not another one <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm sure they don't so if we sort of start talking about Asian fusion um can you tell yeah. us about your first ever encounter with Asian grooming my first encounter was actually a picture that I saw online and this okay. is going back to the days before social media before Facebook and Instagram and all those things it just didn't exist um I don't know whether you were around around that time but there was a everybody was on forums <laughs> right okay yeah yeah I wasn't was grooming at that point but I do remember the forums yeah <laughs> forums yeah we're all forums and the main sort of grooming forum was what a dog so that was sort of the closest thing we had to to social media it it closed when when facebook started happening well it closed down and actually i was really sad because i loved it on there it was really good i knew my way around and i'm not very tech savvy so it took me i'm still trying to get used to social media (laughs) and but it was a, a picture that i saw quite unrelated to what I was looking for, searching for at the time. And it was a picture of a dog that had been groomed by a Japanese groomer in a teddy style. And mm-hmm. it was a silver toy poodle. And there was just something about the shape on this poodle and the softness of it and just the way it made me feel. And I just absolutely fell in love. And I Brilliant. couldn't stop looking at this picture. And I kept the picture as a screensaver for ages. And I was just obsessed with trying to work out how it had been done. Yeah. And, you know, it quickly worked out that I couldn't do it. With with the skills that I had and mm-hmm. the tools that I had, I couldn't make it work. I could do it after a fashion, but it mm-hmm. wasn't the same. And it had okay. to be the same because there was no half measures. So I thought I need to I need to find where I can go. There must be someone somewhere who can mm-hmm. teach me how to do it. It exists. How can I get to it? So I started searching online and of course there wasn't anything. There was no information. There was there was no YouTube. There was none of that stuff around then. So I started asking around and then I remembered that Colin, Colin Taylor, yeah. that he'd worked in Hong Kong for a couple of years. I thought we well, gonna know then. He's going to know. Yeah. He's going to be the person. <laughs> and course. a few weeks, yeah, of course. And a few <laughs> weeks, yeah. And a few weeks later, he announced he was doing a seminar and workshop down at Leslie Garrett's place down in Somerset. Yeah. So I'm up in Doncaster, so it's, it's quite a journey. So <laughs> yeah. I, I immediately, and there were spaces for, I think it was four people to, to groom under his um, supervision I had to be one now bearing in mind I'd I'd really not sort of long come out of training and and, you know formal training and that sort of thing so I was still very new and very green and um, I messaged and said I don't don't care I have to have a space I have to have a space (laughs) and of course I mean now there's you know every weekend there's a workshop or there's a YouTube video comes out or there's a something is happening yeah. with the show or but all these things are very few and far between them so I was determined I had to have one of these places 
So I messaged yeah. Leslie, I messaged him and I got a place. So I was Brilliant. thrilled. Uh, so I got my rudimentary tools, my rose line scissors and bits and pieces and got my dear husband to drive me all the way down there. We we set off at like, I don't know, about two o'clock in the morning, half past one, two o'clock in the morning okay. for the journey down there. And we drove down and it was pouring with rain and oh, no. it would be, my husband it? dropped me off. Yeah, yeah, of course. He dropped me off and then he went and parked up in the car and sat in the car all day waiting for <laughs> me, bless him. <laughs> I know. And in I went, oh, God, when I think back, Lordy, I remember he said, right, and, and he said, I'll do half and you do the other half. He said, how, you know, how do you want it to look? And I said, I want it to look Asian. And he, you know, pulled, pulled his eyes back like this. And oh, he no. said, what do you, like, you mean like this? Oh, my God. And everybody was laughing and I was really embarrassed. Oh, I know, but I was so new. Now I'd laugh, of course, but I didn't know him and I was just new, green. So he said, now get your curves. And I'm like, my what? My what? Yeah. <laughs> curves. What curves? I haven't got any curves. Curves what? Curves scissors. I've never even seen curves scissors before. Oh, so, so I know. So he said, well, use mine. I had no idea what to do with them. So he's, you know, talking away. And I'm in front. There was about 50 people all sat there watching as well. <sighs> I know. So it was absolutely nerve-wracking, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And all the way through, I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing here? What am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, my God. But anyway, I got through it. He did the face for me, and he said, you know, is that what you wanted? And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) I said, no, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. Because I I was already experimenting by that time, so I kind of did it myself. And he said to me, you need to go to a place called Starwood. I said, never heard of it. So I wrote it down and stuck it in my little kit box and tucked Mimi back under my arm. And we drove all the way back to Doncaster, went onto my big computer on Dutch. Dial-up AOL. Yeah. Do you remember that? I remember, yeah. 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 And that's it. You had to wait. You had to be let in. And... (laughs) I say I'm making dial-up tone noises. (laughs) So anyway, so I went online and I Googled it and found it, sent an email didn't have a reply and it took about two years to be let in and they've never had a westerner yeah never had a westerner there before I had to send pictures and things like this yeah so eventually he let me in and I was there wow I bet you were well excited when you finally got accepted to go over yeah yeah I mean everybody was invested everybody was invested and 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 watching my progress and waiting for information and yeah went to see pictures and things like this and it went it went nuts yeah when I was over there I was gonna say being one of the first person to sort of go over there that's quite a brave thing to do really because it's where which country is it Thailand yeah 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 Yeah, that's a long way to that's a long way to go you know to Go away and learn the style. That must have been, was it Was it a bit daunting or was it all just really exciting or? Well, I didn't really have time 
to think about it being exciting or daunting because as soon as I knew, then I was you know, desperate to, to get information, like find out what I needed to take visualize and stuff like this. And it was really, really difficult to get any kind of information or responses to messages or emails. And that was okay. really frustrating. Yeah. Um, so that, that was really, really difficult. And when I got there, you know, the, the difference in the culture. And, it, you know, again, it's different now. Yeah. than it was then and did they yeah. speak English when you went over there or... yeah well he spoke a, a bit of English sort mm-hmm. of beginning English and I think yeah there was one of the girl who was a student who I saw occasionally she could speak English and she was really friendly and really nice that was a really big thing to do then because like you say different country long it way was, away different language it was massive it was so scary. It was so scary. And I remember the first night I, I was put in this hotel, which was next door. And the bed, the mattress on the bed was black rubber. And I think it had been made from recycled tyres. So it was just a square room. It had the bed in the middle, a shower in the corner, a tiny little table, one chair and a fridge and a wardrobe. And that, that was it. That was all that was in the room. Um, there was oh. no bedding or anything like that. There was nothing. So I needed to get a kettle. I thought, if nothing else, I need to have coffee. Yeah. So, <laughs> How very yeah, English of you. Yeah. I must have, my I tea. Must have a cup of tea. How on earth will I survive a month without tea? <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a kettle, a plate, a cup, a spoon, and a knife, and a fork. Yeah. And I also bought a mattress and I thought well that's going to give me some comfort it's going to be a little bit softer than what is on there already and a pillow so I bought that and a fluffy blanket and I thought right I'll be okay I'm going to be all right now I walked outside and it was pitch black I thought shit I don't know where anything is um and I I know I know I don't know how yeah well they'd written the address of the um of the accommodation that I was staying in on a on the back of a business card. So I had that in my purse and I pulled this out and it was like all street markets and it was lit up and there was street music and they were all dancing and lights and all sorts of stuff going off. And, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? <laughs> what, what the hell am I doing here? And um, I know. And so I, start, I went to the side of the road and I must have flagged down. 20 taxis and the, and they would just drive off again nobody nobody would take me to where I needed to go but I was so upset I was jet lagged I was tired I'd not slept for about 48 hours I was oh, no. I was just in bits and I just sat down on the side of the road and burst into tears oh, I'm stuck and um, trying to think what I could do and had I had I not been so tired I'd have been thinking, you know, differently, but yeah, I was just course. so tired and couldn't think in a straight line anymore. But that was all worth yeah. it in the end, though, was it? Did you have a good time there? How, how long was you there for? I think all in the best part of the month. Yeah, but I, I didn't learn what I needed to learn. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Okay. But that was okay. So was when you got home, did you sort of just develop yourself then and just sort of twist and change and alter yeah. until you were yeah. happy with the Absolutely. direction you was going in? Yeah, and that's where the Asian fusion came in. So I had to use all the Briggs standard stuff mm-hmm. and make it fit. 
what I was doing and with a few other bits and pieces that I, I had picked up, then mm-hmm. I was able to kind of form my, my own way of doing things and my own style. Am I right in thinking that you was one of the first two that did the ICMG qualification when Angela started it up over here? Yeah. Yeah, yes. I thought you yes. was. Me and Angela and Leslie Sills, me and mm-hmm. we all, um, well, An- Angela brought it over with her sister yeah. and and then we all kind of worked together to get it to get, get it, it formalised over here. Yeah, get it going, get it off the ground. And it was a really exciting time. Really, really yeah. exciting. We were we were breaking barriers and making history. How do you feel like ICMG sort of helped you? Because obviously you're really well known for your Asian fusion. And obviously when you look at the fusion style grooms, they're completely different to the breed standard grooms. But it's really interesting that you sort of played a part yeah. in the start of ICMG and that you got all that knowledge as of well, course. if you see what I mean. Does it come into it when you're doing that sort of grooming as well? Of course, of course. Absolutely it does. When ICMG started, I was already, you know, skilled at, at Asian grooming mm-hmm. and Asian fusion grooming. So the ICMG didn't help with the Asian and I kind of, you know, I'd gone full circle then because I'd done my my training and learned some of the breed standards. Yeah. But it was using the basics, really. Mm-hmm. Using the basics and... Making stuff up, quite frankly. <laughs> well, you know, if, if you don't yeah. have a benchmark, you, you, you've got to make it up. No, you've you? got to create it yourself. So with you developing um, Asian Fusion, you're sort of known for thinking outside the box because you don't sort of follow the general rules, really. So because no. people always say, like, Pammy thinks outside the box, like, what does that actually mean to you? And do you think that it's sort of important to think around the norm sometimes? I'm not really sure what it means, and I think it means different things to to different people. But when I hear that phrase, I think of a of a physical box and yeah. being or existing within it, and that, if I'm honest, makes me feel quite queasy. Okay, and I I can't think under that kind of constraint. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I've you know I think I've always been the same. And and as a child, I was considered like scatterbrained and grasshopper minded and I think I think that's because in those days we were just all taught to be the same and to think yeah. the same to like the same to do the same but it's kind of separate in in a way you know from yeah. when I was little and that used to make my eyes cross with boredom <laughs> I, I, god you know I couldn't I couldn't cope you know I'd my my brain would be gone somewhere else I'd be away with with the fairies I can really relate to that because I was the girl who was always called dizzy blonde scatterbrain always looking out the window always doodling something on your planner or something you know away with the fairies whereas I'd generally be thinking about something that I considered was quite important but it actually had nothing to do with what I was supposed to be doing absolutely I'd be sat there thinking well I'm sure there's a better way of doing that. I'm sure that that, that could be done differently. I'm sure that, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'd always be thinking of a, a, a different way of doing things. And that is where my mind is at all the time. I hate to be constrained. And as soon as something feels like it, it's starting to pen me in, yeah. whether it's in body or spirit, I'm gone. I, yeah. I, I, I've, I've lost it um, you have to have sort of that freedom to naturally follow the path uh, that you yeah um, I can't cope and I think that's probably why breed standard stuff 
doesn't hold my interest. It's absolutely necessary. It's, an, it's something that you have to do. I mean, we touched on that earlier, but it's something that you have to do to learn your skill and, and all those things. But because for me, it's not creative enough. Yeah. Like, schnauzers are done like schnauzers or bijons are done like bijons or poodles are done like poodles it's like you know you go from here to here from here to here to here and 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 the object of of the game is to make them all look as close to the breed standards as possible yeah and that to me is i'm just quite interested in asking you this question randomly because Mm. i think i'm the same as you in the fact i'm not very good when i'm put into pressure into being a certain way or conforming a certain way or say like even just in life like a lot of my friends that I was at school with have done the whole get married have children settle down buy a house blah 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 whereas I'm still like oh I'm going to change jobs and be a dance teacher oh, I'm going to change jobs and be a dog groomer and oh I'm mm. following myself this way and that way but mm. for me like I find like with the breed standards I have like a thing to look at that I can aim mm. towards because I've yeah. noticed about my brain over time, and I'm interested, like, in how you do this. If you go to look at a house, would you be mm. able to think, right, if this was my house, I'd, like, knock that wall down and have that like that, and I'd, you know, maybe change this and do that? Because I'm yeah. one of these people who cannot picture what I want to do without actually having a picture. So I'm really bad at that sort of thing. My brain just doesn't work like that. So when, like, if you walked into a house, would you know what you wanted to do with it and be able to sort of envisage it and things like that as well? I understand exactly, exactly what you're saying. I've just put my house on the market and I'm house hunting at the moment. So okay. using that analogy is really very familiar for me and, okay. and current for me at the moment. Yeah. And you would think because of the way I think about grooming and shape and style and all that kind of stuff, that I would be able to walk into a room and go, right, I'm going to knock that wall down and I'm going to this and that and the other, but absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. And I think that's why I I really like Asian grooming. I really like creative grooming, but my head just can't see the thing. I, I really would not know where to start with making up a, a trim like the idea of it, it, it blows my brain <laughs> like it's really yeah. impressive thing to do is basically come up with a whole grooming style which is sort of what you've done I think a lot of these things and and you know particularly when you come up with a, a new grooming style I, I, I think a lot of it is accidental if I'm perfectly okay. honest yeah and because you're not constrained yeah because it's grooming at its, at its finest I suppose you know yeah it, it, uh, as opposed to breed standard, where you have to follow a pattern. Yeah. With, the, with an Asian pet groom, you don't have to follow a pattern unless you're trying to copy somebody else's. But yeah. what I prefer to do is try and make a style to fit the dog that I'm working on now. Okay. And the way I look at it is, uh, you like Bichons, don't you? So you yeah. can have a room full of Bichons. Somebody who doesn't know their way around a Bichon, they'll all look the same. They wouldn't be able to tell one from another. But yeah. for somebody who knows Bichons, they would be able to tell which was a good uh, Bichon, which was badly put together, you know, all, all of these things. Yes. And even within a litter, each one of those dogs will be different. They'll be slightly different. 
and the breeder who's become familiar with them be, will be able to tell them the part. Might be six in the litter, be able to tell them all apart mm-hmm. because they will have all grown in a slightly different way. And when you're doing a breed standard, you're trying to make them all look exactly the same. Whereas for me, with the Asian stuff, I like to feel the dog underneath and see the hair, the texture of the hair, the way it is today. There might be missing hair, all of these things, and make up something that fits that dog that is on the table in front of me today. And yeah. they all might absolutely completely different from each other and have a different style and and you just don't have those sorts of constraints whereas whether it's because that really really like deep down inside floats my boat Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure but when it comes to well like choosing a house and being able to imagine myself being in there I find myself drawn to things that already attract me yes not looking beyond how they decorated and their furniture. It's difficult for me to look beyond that. Yeah, it is hard. And to imagine do that. if I could look at a wall. Yeah. It is hard, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't know why you I, should I remember because I could do it easy enough with everything else. Yeah, I remember going around with my mum and dad when they were buying their house and they were like, Oh, we could change this and we can put this here and we'll make this open plan and we'll da 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 and I'm like, I can't see any of it. I didn't yeah. see I can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not how my brain know, and I and I I can sometimes, and I often wonder whether that's because there is enough about it that I like that it's yeah. like give me a head start and and started the creative juices flowing a bit. Maybe yeah. maybe that's why. But then I, I could do it in the garden. If I looked in the garden, I'd be like, right, I could put that there, and I could put that there, and I can see it in the garden. But yeah. Isn't it? It's very yeah. strange how the brain works. But yeah. So shall we move on to the final questions that I was going to oh, ask go on, you? Then. Okay. What do you find most rewarding about being a dog groomer? I think just being able to do these things, mm-hmm. just having the freedom to be able to do these things. I think all of it, you know, Carla. It's, it's not a job that's really man. like any other job, is it? because every every day is a different day and 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 well that must be what keeps my interest yes the the creativity of it so I I think if you were to pin me down I think watching those that I've taught to groom Mm -hmm. and specifically taught the Asian watching them go on and burst into life and become great groomers that I mean that that gives me a big big thrill to watch them do that and in fact I mean one of my students Stephanie O'Connor in Ireland she's just been awarded the position of being the Asian Fusion Grooming Academy Satellite Centre over in Ireland and she's one of my students from 2017 and she studied with me off and on since then so she must have been, was she like one of your original sort of students? Yeah. Is that about the yeah, time you yeah. sort of set up? I'd set up long long before then, but mm-hmm. I first met her. I went over to Ireland to do some training for her and some of the other girls. And she's then gone on to do lots more extensive training with me. And I took her over to Korea with me on one of my visits. Um, wow. Yeah, so she is a great, great person. And I love to watch her grow and I'm excited to to see where she's going to take her 
portion of my aging academy yeah no that's really something to be proud of I think passing knowledge on yeah. and seeing someone flourish is a really nice well thing. isn't that what it's all about yeah I, I haven't really done a lot of teaching at all with grooming but with dancing when I used to dance when yeah. I used to work with the teenagers that I did and you'd see them come at the beginning they'd be a bit nervous and they'd be a bit you mm. know have a go but then give it mm. a year two years and they'll be standing at the front dancing their little hearts out doing an amazing job and it's just mm. fills you with pride doesn't it, it just makes you feel yeah. all warm and it's lovely yeah. and when I when I see some of my students in the ring or um maybe in a, a seminar or, or or something or a competition and and I watch them do a particular technique mm-hmm. and I can see that it's specifically something that I taught them to do it, it makes me feel kind of fuzzy inside yeah it just means they've really taken it on board and they've used it it's done them yeah. well and now they're passing it on as well like you say it's uh it's what it's absolutely. all about really isn't it absolutely what advice would you give your younger self about being a dog groomer oh god I'm still working that one out <laughs> I'm not really sure I think possibly work-life balance I think yeah. that is up there uh, and to just be mindful of it and I think also is about charging your worth mm-hmm. and being yeah. and not being afraid to say no and I think that was something I was really guilty of back in the old days yeah I'm naturally a people pleaser and the thought of saying no to somebody absolutely fills me with dread and I've got better at it as I've gone on. Yeah. But I still, it still isn't a comfortable position for me to be in, to in, be in a position where I need to say no, but don't yeah. know how. Um, I'm getting better at that now. Do you know what? I've been practising that mm. this year because I was the same as you. You always, you oh, I'll find no. space. Or, no. no, I'll find you space. Hang on, I'll do that. I'll do that. And yeah. I got to the point where I actually sort of understand now that when I get tired, it's never, it's never good. It never brings good things. When you become exhausted, like physically, because like your shoulders ache, your backs ache, your arms ache, everything aches because you haven't had enough days off and you've worked too many hours. And then, yeah. like, because you're physically exhausted you're then mentally tired as well because it's exhausting being in pain and when you don't have time to wind down before bed you'd never sleep well if you don't sleep but it's just a massive cycle and I I just find all of that then impacts then on your mental health and once that starts going you've got your physical and your mental health all kind of slipping and sliding around and and you're kind of in trouble then it's hard to pull your out but you see we're our own worst enemies aren't we you've got yes. people like us who you know this kind of fear of, of, of saying no that, and that worry that you're going to let people down um mm. and I think alongside that goes things like fear of failure um and we're afraid to say no in case the work stops um yeah and we're just in case this happens that's right. We're afraid of charging our, our worth in case the work stops. And, and I think that it's not not just you and I. That that's evident when you go on the groups and you and you read the questions that yeah the, you know that 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 your younger and you know o- older groomers are asking about pricing and charging and and things like this. It's very evident that that people are afraid 
to yeah. put prices up and, and to do less for more money. People are afraid because the work will stop. And, yeah. and, I, and I think that's probably more to do with being self-employed. And I'm sure it's not just a grooming industry thing. This, is, this will go across the board. And, and I think that's, that's more about being self-employed. Yeah. And we tend in this industry mostly to be self-employed. But that I think it's a it's a cross career path, you know, hairdressers and yeah. all the rest will will suffer it. So we're our own our worst enemies. What the solution is, who knows? Next year I'm planning on going down to four days because I just think five days is a lot. This yeah. year my I don't really do New Year's resolutions. I don't really believe in them because I always feel like then if you break them, you feel bad about yourself. And the worst yeah. time to start doing something new is January because everyone feels like crap in January. So I'm mm. not really thinking of it as like a new year's resolution but it's something as as the next year rolls over obviously my new diary starts it's a fresh diary so i'm now booking my regulars in for four days a week if i need to work a bit extra then i will like maybe pull two five day weeks you know a month if i have to but um, that's the beauty of being self-employed that's what it's all about if if you if you you know going to be that regimented that you've got to work these days and you've got to work there and you've got to do the well you may as well be employed and not have yeah. all the headaches that come along with being self-employed um, how many dogs think... a day are you doing carla well now i'm average? doing sort of between four and six i'd say on mostly probably five but sometimes yeah. six sometimes four yeah. it just depends yeah. what it is i do a fair few hand strips as well so they tend to be my four days if i've got hand strip in there but I'm just at the point now where actually booking ahead, my regulars, the ones, you know, minus all the every so often dogs, like your Labradors, mm. your Whippets, all them sorts of ones. Four days is actually filling up quite nicely. And as long as I'm not taking anyone new on, it's kind of like working more full days, but four days mm. a week and three days off. Because then I can get my mm. books done, my ordering done, and just mm. spend time with my dogs and doing my thing. I just find and that's important, isn't it? That work-life, that work-life balance that's to it. have it time to have a day off and not on on your one day off have to do your books and do your ordering and you this is and you that and you're just too exhausted to to do anything with your own dogs or or go out visiting or just you know just lay in bed all day if you want not (laughs) i never do that never i never can do that no are you the same as me then it's sort of like oh, i've got to get up get the dogs done get this done get that done yeah i'm one of those definitely but i think i just think that i'm i'm now figuring out and recognizing that i have sort of a seven eight week cycle where Mm. by the time i reach sort of week eight i'm exhausted i'm tired i'm run down i'm feeling like crap i'm in out of tears Mm. because I'm just exhausted mm. and little things mm. seem big. So I definitely know what you mean about learning, you know, no is no. And like I say, this year I've been practising saying, oh, no, actually, my books are full. And it's just rolling off the tongue now. It's becoming normal. Whereas last year, the year before, I've, yeah. I've been like, oh, yeah. you know. Like, the more you say it, the easier it becomes. It's yeah, true. Yeah, so it's a practice, isn't it, I think. Yeah. Um, but nine times out of ten, people say, oh, well done. And like it's actually quite a nice response because they say, "Oh well, obviously you've got a good business going on. You're full. Well done. You know, yeah. take our number. Yeah. Give us a call if you get any space." And yeah. it actually makes well, you feel quite nice good, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's really good. Well done. What um what would you say about our industry? Like, would you say that that is sort of what impacts on our mental health the most in the industry? These sort of the exhaustion and the busyness, or is there anything else that you think impacts on us? Yeah, I think. I think definitely that 
definitely that, you know, the work-life balance and looking after our, our mental health as well as physical health is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think the other, the other thing would be about how we treat each other. Yes. Um, and I think that's a really, really big one to me. And it, it can be so difficult, can't it? And I, you know, I, I see and hear stuff all the time and I get messages from people and people are upset. And, and I think it, it kind of comes from keyboard warriors. I mean, I hate to say it, but mm-hmm. everybody gets on the keyboard and they're, they're, they're suddenly experts, you know, but, you know, and they've, they've somebody asked a question in, in a group and umpty nine people will offer an opinion it's like really it's a complete minefield isn't it you can put something up one day get some really helpful advice put something up the other day and you'll get 20 responses and you read through and you think bloody hell if i did that that would be bad advice you know what i mean like you can't find anything that's good advice on there and then Mm. sometimes people will be really kind and be really helpful sometimes people Mm. jump on and just have a massive you know what it gets like where people are just tearing out of each other it's just like you put stuff up and you have no idea what's going to come back at you sometimes no and you see that that i think is a really bad thing and i think massive cause for anxiety with people it absolutely is and and sometimes things get misconstrued as well you Mm. you type things and the person who's read it can't hear the the tone that it was written in, they, they, you know, there might be grammatical errors and spelling mistakes, which when it's read, when the person reads it, it kind of reads completely different to how it yeah. was meant. Mm-hmm. And so, so there is a, a lot of room there for comments being taken out of context, being misconstrued. Yeah. But for the person who's doing the reading, who might already be vulnerable or in a vulnerable position because of, something that's happened perhaps or the way they're feeling or just other crap that's going on in their lives they can read that and it can destroy yeah and that is and I, and I think if, if if everybody took the time to think before they write or just don't write uh, yeah absolutely because I mean and, I don't know about you but I was always taught you know if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all and that just does not happen absolutely. on Facebook at all because Absolutely. Just, well, I, I think it's the impulse, isn't it? It's just the impulse of see it, write it, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what goes into know. these people's heads. I, I, I don't know. But the say, they, they get, I think there's a kind of a safety that from being behind a keyboard. Mm. And, you know, the, the, there is such a lot of, you know, anonymous users and users with lots of different accounts and things like this. And, and that just, like, fills me with horror. I absolutely hate that. And yeah my asian group there was last time i looked there was about twenty thousand in in the group but the rules i know the rules are really simple rule number one is if you can't say something nice say nothing at all Mm -hmm. and if you really have to say something horrid then you're out there's no explanations as I've got no time for that whatsoever you are no. out it's I just press the ejector button you've gone and if somebody asks for a critique or an opinion mm-hmm. people need to make sure that that critique or that opinion is said and designed in such a way for that person to learn and grow from and 
cannot ever be used as an excuse to assassinate and destroy somebody. No. Because no. That's we always used easy. to do um we used to do when I was a teacher at dancing, we used to do two stars and a wish. I don't know if you've heard of it before, have you? No, not heard of that one. Two stars, you say two things you like and one thing that you want to improve. Oh shit sandwich. Yeah, all that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, all that, yeah. Yeah, def- definitely, but I just don't like the, the poops in the middle. So, it, no. it, you know, if you can't say something nice, then just don't say anything. Mm. All the gossipy stuff, I can't be doing with it. So I so, kind of keep away from all of that. Can you um, think of a time that you have learned from a mistake? Yes. Um, <laughs> now, I'm best known for Asian. I'm also equally probably known for being late for things. Okay. And Another thing yeah. we have in common. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always late for everything and there's always a great excuse. And if I'm not late, I'm absolutely beside myself with wonder on how on earth I've managed to not be late. But there you go. <laughs> but one time I was really, really late for a meeting. And it was okay. a very important meeting as well. It was like about four years ago now. And I got to this meeting and there were no desks involved. We were sat round and there were five people in the room. And I sat down, put my stuff down and I just made it in time mm-hmm. and sat down, put my bag down. I got my pen and notebook out. And cross my legs, look down, and I still had my fluffy slippers on. <laughs> yeah. And I was absolutely horrified. And everybody was looking at my slippers. I can actually um, imagine that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were pink. And I had no idea, no idea, but I was just so, so late. and Just didn't so, Yeah. So I learned to check myself all over before I before I go out and do things and make sure that I've got my glasses which usually live on the top of my head glasses check shoes check yeah 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 but apart from that I think every day is a learning curve isn't it I think we all make mistakes every day and you take what you can from that mistake learn from it and move on instead Mm -hmm. of spending time beating ourselves up about it I think we all need to be not only kind to each other but kind to ourselves as well yeah we we're we're in an industry where mistakes are made of course and we have to be as careful as possible and and mitigate these circumstances as best we can but accept that we are going to make mistakes and we're only human and we're only normal and just the same as everybody else yeah and and a lot of the time it's not as bad as you think it's going to be no no and it feels so terrible so terrible yeah. at the time when you've made a mistake no matter what it is you know you upset somebody or yeah I had I had a lady in this week that made me think of something actually um she has a schnoodle and it is okay. usually on a three eighths so blue comb attachment dog came in Carla forgot to put the comb attachment on the 15 blades and said dog had a massive 15 strip oh, yeah. down the side of the ribs, right? This was going back yeah. about a year ago, but the actual lady came in the other day and we was laughing about it because when I, when she came, she's ever such a nice lady. I knew she wouldn't, you know, be funny about it, but it's still that feeling. It's like, oh, God, tell her. 
So I said, with my hand over the patch, I was like, mm. oh, I've got something I have to admit that I've done today that I'm a little bit, you know, not too happy with and I'm going to have to tell you. And she was like, what have you done? I was like, the dog's fine. I haven't hurt the dog. I was like, oh. and then I just moved my hand to the side. We've she all was, done that one. She was, oh, she's got a tag. <laughs> she said we can call her Asbo dog now. <laughs> oh bless you yeah we've all she done that it was she couldn't believe it she said oh it's all right we'll show it off when we walk around the village it can be her little thing <laughs> i was like sign, sign it inside <laughs> i did the exact same thing myself we've got um three westies that all come together and they were bathed and dried and i put one on the table and it has a a pet westie trim and and I'd done it all and it was it's one of these quite sort of fluffy Westies. One of them yeah. has got a really silky coat, they're both overweight, and the other one has got really dense, thick, yeah, non-Westy hair is fluffy. Yeah, I know the type real pet Westy uh, sort of hair. Yeah, yeah. And I'd done it on a five blade, because that's what they wanted, and it looked okay and down it went on the floor and I just about to pick up the second Westie and I looked down and I thought oh look there's a high spot which really on my way I can't stand like if, if you're going to clip make yeah. it as neat as possible so I saw this little high spot or just on a spring of rib actually yeah and I thought, oh, I just, I, before you know before I forget and I picked the dog up put it back on the table picked my clippers up yeah I know what you're going to say now because I know what order you're doing down it with a 30 blade that had oh. been under my yeah, <laughs> that had been under the guard code and whatever possessed me on a wide blade as well so whatever possessed me I don't know because I did one sort of square yeah on the spring of rib yeah and my eyes glazed over and bugger me I only went and did a second one oh, no. I know I know what was that I all about I thought you were going to say you had a 10 on it because I know you do your hygiene no. at the end of the grave I thought oh no she's gone straight no. down to 10 <laughs> no, I I called Danielle, who was on the other side of the, uh, of the room. She was bathing, and I said, "Danielle, she's my daughter." Danielle, yeah. look! And I turned the dog around. She looked, and there was just no oxygen left in the room. You know, we were, <gasps> yeah. oh my god! And it was really it, bad. She said, "Mum, I've got every confidence. You can fix it." <laughs> God, these are scissors, not bloody magic wands. I'm a what groomer, I'm a miracle maker. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I got my trusty uh, shot tooth blended out and just blended out the edges and it, yeah. it kind of, it, it hid it a little bit. And I just owned up to him and did pretty much what you what you said to your customer and <laughs> said, look, you know. In this act, the dog's absolutely fine, but I've been a bit crazy <laughs> with the clippers in that part. It'll grow back. And offered them a, a, you know, a free re-clip in two, three weeks' time, but they yeah. rang up two, three weeks' time, and he said, no, it's fine, you can hardly see it now. And it's all good. Yeah, it was all, yeah. Oh, brilliant. <gasps> so That's check, not as bad as you think it's going to be, is it? It's never no. that bad. What's the best change that you've seen in the industry since you've been grooming? I think I would have to say that it's education. Mm -hmm. Over the years since I've been grooming, I think education has got more rounder. I think we've all had to up our games now that we've got social media 
and our customers are more savvy. I mean, before social media, mm -hmm. our customers didn't know one groom from another. Really and truly, all they knew was, you know, what was happening with groomers in their village. And then they were kind of few and far between. Now there's a groomer on every street corner, really. And we're all, all overwhelmed with customers, so there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's enough to go around. It's not an issue. But the point being is that our customers are on social media. Yes. And so they're looking at what other groomers are doing and what other customers have had done with their dogs they yeah. expect more they okay, expect yeah. more they expect all the different things and so groomers have had to up their game you know whether, whether that is through exam mm -hmm. or non-exam but definitely through education and knowledge and keeping abreast of all the new stuff which is you know why one of the reasons why Asian has, be, has become so popular because our customers are, are now asking for and it. And they're seeing it's it and they much. want it. Yeah. yeah, they want it. They want it now. They want it really badly. So the, the groomers who haven't taken the time to learn it are, are kind of underplay catch-up now. So, yeah, you know, for, for, for lots of different reasons, I think ed education has been the thing. Yeah, I, could, yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with you. I think it's so important as well, which is why I wanted, um, you know, we've launched the first ever, world's first um, Asian qualification, level three qualification. And that, for me, was really, really important to have mm. a, a formal qualification at the end of it. And, and the reason for that is twofold, really. And that's so that groomers can be recognised for the skill that they've learned. And it yeah. is a skill. It's not easy to do. So... The recognition for the groomers, I think that is important because it, it is a lot of hard work and it does cost money. And to get that piece of paper to say you have reached a standard and to be able to show that to your customers, to give them confidence yes. because they're the ones that pay our bills, aren't they? Of course, they're the yeah. ones that keep us in business without yeah. them we'd all be sat twiddling our thumbs with lots of pairs of scissors and nothing to do with them. Yeah. Um, and it must so, make you feel really proud now. You've got, like, the first qualification oh, up yeah. and running. I bet you're absolutely yeah. bursting with yeah, excitement, I mean, it, aren't you? It's, it's been a real long, hard road to get it written and to get it approved and, and get it out there. And it's been really difficult for me to let that go and, and you know push it out into the ether because it's like it's been years in the making and it's like a child and it's like sending your child off to to, to nursery on the first day and it's like oh, oh they're going to be okay and that sort of thing but now that it's it's launched you know that that one is launched mm -hmm. Then I'm absolutely thrilled. And I think I mentioned earlier, our first students are getting ready now to looking towards their first exams. So that's really exciting. And I'm really, I'm really proud of, of what we've achieved. Joe, Joe Hargraves and, and myself, we've really, really worked hard on this. And you know, this is just the first one. There's, there's lots more that are coming and how do people get in touch if they're interested in doing some training with you? There's two ways, firstly, because I've got two companies. I've got 
the grooming school and salon, which um, I co-own with my daughter, Danielle. And then I've got Asian Fusion Grooming Limited that is all the online training and all the retail stuff. It's all the, the scissors, it's all the Pani brand scissors and the new yeah. Slay brand scissors and all the retail stuff. So it's the online and the retail. Um, so if it's in-person training or general grooming, then it's you need to contact me on our Facebook business, but I'd say Instagram as well, but I have no idea how Instagram works. No. Danielle will kill me. Well, you me. can send me, send me all the links and the details, and then I'll put them in the Thank show you. notes so people can just look Thank it up you. and click on the link. Yeah. Thank you. Um, um, if, if, if they want to know about the exams and the online education and that kind of stuff, you can simply, and the scissors, you can simply go to um, our business pages, which is Asian Future Grooming with Pammy, or yep. um, com, and that's the main Fabulous. website, so it's got everything on there. Yeah, great. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you so much for coming on and talking to us, Pammy. It's been, it's been really interesting. Time. Yeah, it, it, it's been great. I've enjoyed talking. Gosh, it's been such a long time since we've sat down and had a, a yard. Proper catch-up. I know, yeah. I know. What's that all about? But anyway, thank, thank you very much. And, uh, yes, oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. And oh. do take good care. And uh, see you soon. Bye. Bye. I really loved speaking with Pammy. Some of the main things I think we can take from that conversation is that she loves to keep things new and have lots of things to keep her inspired and excited. I love comparing how we think. I revel in all the breed standards that I can work my way through and I enjoy collecting a variety of breeds on my books to keep things new. Whereas Pammy likes to create original styles for the dogs that step onto her table. Trims that bypass the breed standards and instead are tailored to that dog. This is why the grooming industry is so versatile. Pammy's grooms blow me away and I'm so glad that she came on to chat with me. I have seen her several times leading seminars and I highly recommend her as someone to add to your list. Next week, I was supposed to be speaking to the third mental health professional of the series. However, he's come down with COVID and is feeling quite unwell. So we're going to reschedule our interview and I will bring him on next series in the new year. In the meantime, we have two more groomers left before Christmas. So I'll miss next week and I'll see you the following week. Thanks for listening. Cheerio.